Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the International Big Footy Podcast, and I'm talking today to Brian Barish, a seven-year player and secretary of the Philadelphia Hawks, and currently media manager of the United States Australian Football League, and we're talking about uh, the US Nationals, which are coming up on the weekend. Hello, Brian. Hello, Jason. How you doing, mate? It's it's a it's a it's a late morning here, but well, early afternoon and late night for you. So um, I should we're all tired, to be honest. Um, <laughs> well, we're all tired, and if we're all tired, I think we're all on the same page. That should make for a very interesting next few minutes, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to get our wits together, Brian. The um the U.S. Nationals is the largest Australian football tournament in the world. Um, they bill itself that way, and as far as I can tell, it most certainly is. Uh, there's something like 30 teams. Uh, that turn up. Uh, we're going to Dublin, Ohio on Friday uh, for some meetings and clinics and whatnot before the games start on Saturday and Sunday. Um, tell us a bit about it. Well, as you mentioned, uh, Jason, this is the largest Aussie rules carnival outside of Australia, at least. And uh, USAFL is now up to 35 clubs. Just about all of them will be represented here in some uh, way, shape, or form. Uh, there are four men's divisions and a women's division. Um, you have the top two uh, divisions, which are uh, standalone clubs. Division three uh, has six standalone clubs, actually five standalone clubs. One of them is a combined side, and you have two reserves. And then down in division four, uh, you have uh, two standalone clubs, a couple of, of the newer clubs that are combined with some of the uh, some of the established clubs and a couple of reserve clubs. And, uh, of course, you have the women's division, which has eight teams this year. Uh, they have a couple of standalone clubs and a couple of others uh, that are combined into one. It's not uncommon to see this. The basic idea is to make sure that everybody who is a member of the USAFL and who is able to come out to nationals uh, does get in the game and does get a chance to play. And I think especially when you look at uh, how big this country is, I mean, there is only 35 teams here, only 35 clubs. And I should mention, by the way, that there are a number of Canadian clubs, uh, Calgary, Montreal, uh, Toronto on the women's side as well, uh, that have come down. You know, you play most of the, uh, the season as a regional schedule here. Uh, in Philadelphia, for example, we generally play Boston, Baltimore, Washington, uh, North Carolina, which is based in Raleigh, which is about eight hours away, Columbus, which is eight hours away. And uh, this year, for example, uh, we'll be playing the uh, Calgary Kangaroos and the Portland Steelheads, which are two teams that we normally don't play. So it's a good chance uh, not only to play teams that you don't normally play, uh, but also to get to see uh, uh, people that you don't normally see. And the one thing I like about the game here in the U.S. is that it's very, uh, it's a very open game. There is a lot of camaraderie. Um, I personally have friends, uh, uh, people that I consider friends that I've met through footy from coast to coast. So it's basically just as I put it, you know, a, a giant footy con, a giant footy convention uh, for people here who love the game, not only uh, the Aussies, but uh, us Americans as well. Okay. Now, uh, I talked to Dennis Ryan, the president of the USAFL, earlier in the year. And he uh, was saying that there's like a thousand players that turn up for this. Is it, is that sounds about right. Yeah, that's that. There is, and you consider that um, most teams. So you have 
uh, in total of 40 clubs, 40 entities, if you will, uh, between the combined clubs and whatnot, and you figure there's roughly 20 per side. Um, so I guess that works out to about a thousand if you, if you know, my late night math is is right, and I, I guess it should be. Uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's right, and and I mean there is. Like I said, you have all these players, and that number is growing. It's not just, uh, you know, because of the travel involved, not every team will have all of its, and every club will have all of its players come. Uh, but still, it's it's a it, thousand people, a thousand players is, is a pretty good turnout for a for an event like this. Now, uh, it's eighteen a side, and it's like, it's full size games on full size ovals, isn't it? Um. It, uh, in the top two divisions, it is. Division three, they play 16 a side. Uh, division four, they play 14 a side. And I believe they play 14 a side, too, in the, in the women's division as well. I actually have all of that in front of me because I came prepared. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it's um, the, the division one is a... F- Full size uh, field. Um, I'm sorry, it's 16 or 18 from the women's. It, it's agreed on before the match, um, and uh, each team in the in the women's division and the division one and division two can dress 24 players maximum, while the lower divisions can. Uh, it's unlimited, um, although our system only handles 31. Uh, but still, it's an opportunity to get players in. Uh, you mentioned the fields. Uh, the fields are. Uh, division one, it's about an AFL size field, and as you go down in division, the field uh, shrinks a little bit. Um, so it's, but but for the most part, yeah, it, it's it's quite similar to what you would find in Australia. It is worth noting as well, uh, from what I can see, that Division four consists mainly of uh, second sides uh, like Denver. Denver's B side, Columbus B, Orange County B, Houston B. I'm looking at the list in front of me. If you're wondering, yes. um, Minnesota's B sides. You know, uh, so it's not necessarily, you know, it's not sides that have come down on their own. This is their seconds. Well, again, it's a matter of anybody who is interested in playing. I mean, like I said, the the the, the sport here is very inclusive, and um, you know, I mean, you take a side like. New York, whose B-side is playing in Division Three, and the same goes with Calgary. New York will traditionally bring 30, 35 players down, and you're not going to say, oh, well, you know, you've come all the way out here, you know, too bad you're not in the, you're not in the, in the starting side, so you're not going to get a chance to play. Yeah. Um, and the other side about that, Jason, is you look at some of the teams are paired against. Like you look at uh, uh, Indianapolis, uh, which is uh, uh, just this is their first full year. Uh, the Cleveland Cannons and their first full season. They're actually going to be playing on the same team with the Milwaukee Bombers. Um, but this is an opportunity. Look, um, you know, even if there are players who aren't attached to a club, they can still they can petition. The- USAFL and say, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested. Is there anywhere you can you can fit me? And if there's a place on a Division Four side, um, then then we do our best to accommodate them. Okay. Now you wrote the official preview for the USAFL uh, for the USAFL's website. Um, who do you who, who do you see as the favourites for this tournament? Well, um, we'll start at Division One. Um, the Austin Crows are the defending champions and. Um, it's very, very difficult to see anybody 
uh, topping them, uh, at least from their group. Now, if there is one group team that does it in uh, Pool A that they're in, in Division One is the Denver Bulldogs, who are the eight-time national champions. I think they have the best chance. Uh, the Orange County Bombers, uh, I think they're, I hate to say they're kind of underachievers. They've been in Division One a while, and they've yet to make it to a grand final. They're going to have a very difficult uh, time of it. Uh, the Minnesota Freeze round out the group, and I think that uh, they'll, they'll play well. Well, but uh, I'm looking at Austin, and if Austin doesn't win, it'll be Denver. Uh, over in Pool B, of the Calgary Kangaroos, who um, uh, lost out last year in the in the uh, national champ in the Division One Grand Final, um, they always bring a strong side down, and they're a mix of uh, I, I think it's Canadian. In rugby toughness with uh, a lot of Australian experience. Uh, the New York Magpies is a team in Philadelphia that we well they play closest to the afl style of football of any other team in the country uh i think they have a very good chance if calgary doesn't win it the golden gate ruse are uh very interesting they're actually a composite side of metro teams metro of course the nine aside game uh that's kind of like a a, a an all-star team if you will uh, but uh, they they'll play very well i think um the most interesting story here jason is the Dallas Magpies, uh, who won the Division One championship in 2012, uh, but, but unfortunately uh, lost out uh, because of a uh, uh, they they had an ineligible player. So unfortunately, they had their their uh, championship stripped from them, and I think that that's kind. of of soured in the back of their mind a little bit, and I, and you know they lost to uh, they defeated New York in that final as well. So I think that's going to be on everybody's minds. Uh, but I, I think it's going to end up being Calgary uh, or New York. Uh, it's going to come down to that matchup on Sunday to determine uh, who gets through to the Divi One Grand Final. Okay. Um, what goes into organizing the nationals, Brian? Uh, a lot. Um, many. Well, I, and I say that, but it's it's many many hours of uh, uh, of, of organization because you're dealing with uh, the the uh, the municipality itself. You're dealing in some cases with the uh, you're dealing with uh, the parks department. You're dealing with hotels. You're dealing with local businesses um i will tell you that uh at some point during the course of the weekend the 2015 host will be selected um i know that there are a fair bit of uh i i can't say who a because i don't know and b because i i don't think i could say anyway uh <laughs> but i know that there are a number of different candidates around uh from different cities who are uh, who are up for it this year? Um, they're going to make that decision at Friday uh, at the administrators' meeting, uh, and hopefully we'll have an announcement for everybody once that's uh, taken care of. Is, is there a bidding process involved? Like what, what's involved in winning the the right to host? Well, there's a uh, the, all the the prospective cities. Uh, they generally go to the, the board uh, themselves, the USAFL board, and they present, and they also present uh, to the uh, to the administrators meeting on the Friday of nationals. Um, I haven't been through one of them yet, so I'm not sure what exactly goes through it, but I know that there is a lot of, uh, a lot, lot of negotiations and there's some consideration as well from the league as far as location. Um, I mentioned before about the size of the city and, and, uh, 
or rather the size of the country. And, uh, you know, it, it, there has, there's travel considerations. To, uh, you know, uh, you think about uh, how difficult it would be for teams in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Seattle, Portland, uh, even all the way down to the San Francisco area to travel to uh, Miami. Uh, Fort Lauderdale, for example, has that cricket oval, which we, you know, we've seen a number of uh, USAFL matches played. I think that would be a great venue, and there's a lot of logistics involved. So the the clubs do have some say in it with respect to just you know you want to make it somewhat accessible for some of these teams to be able to field, not only to attend, but also to field teams and not be stuck where they're only bringing, you know, seven or eight players and are forced to combine with other teams. Fair enough, too. Um, how long do the games go for? Uh, we play two 20-minute halves. Uh, there's no time on, like in the AFL. Uh, it, it's, it's, I think, what you guys call lightning format. Uh, I know they had uh, tournaments like that back in the day. Uh, but, um, yeah, we played two 20-minute halves. Um, in the grand final, uh, there's five minutes of extra time, and if it's still tied, the my understanding is the final siren doesn't go. Uh, the game continues until someone has a lead. Um, but that, that's just in the grand final. Uh, we there's basically a game on the hour every hour. Uh, the teams play three games are guaranteed three games over the course of the weekend. One on on Saturday morning, one on Saturday afternoon, and then one on Sunday morning. And then the grand finals uh, begin at uh, two p.m. here, and then the uh, Division One grand final will take place at uh, at four p.m. Um, how many games are played total over the weekend? Uh, let's see. All right, here. No. <laughs> You're making me do math again. Um, all right, well, let's see. There's a, a two, four, six, eight, ten groups total. Uh, uh, each of them plays six games, so it's 60 plus the grand final. Uh, um, in addition uh, to the actual matches, uh, there's going to be um, there, uh, the Manly Warringah Giants of AFL Sydney are going to be playing an exhibition match uh, with players from, uh, from with just some of the American players, not only uh, some of the uh, Revolution players from, from this past summer, but also uh, some other U.S. players as well. Um, they did a similar game to that last year with the Subiaco Lions, and a, a certain full forward from the Philadelphia Hawks got a chance to uh, play in that last year. <clears throat> Uh, <laughs> uh, it was actually a great thrill. Uh, but uh, the other thing that they're doing for the, uh, this is the third year they're doing it is the uh, is the Masters versus Legends game, a chance for alumni uh, to come back and to uh, throw on the jumper and the boots once more and get out there, and also for a chance for some of the over forty players to get out there and be showcased. And there are a good deal of them here. Uh, I will single out one of my teammates in Philadelphia, uh, Jimmy Madigan, who is 60 years old and who can jump higher than guys half his age. Uh, he's taken part in that game. And uh, it's always fun to watch that game just because it's a, you know, it's an exhibition, but at the same time, it's, it's always good to, to see the guys get a run. Okay. Well, um, eligibility for this. Um, what rules are there regarding Australians, expats, that sort of thing? So, uh, it's nationals and non-nationals. That's how the players are classified. Nationals are considered to be uh, citizens of their own country. 
uh, in this case, the U.S. or Canada, whereas non-nationals are foreign players. So uh, um, Australians, uh, Irish, uh, what have you, uh, they're, uh, they're considered non-nationals, and you must have um, at least half of the players on the field must be nationals, and uh, they are determined, they are um, uh, distinguished on the ground by, uh, by uh, armbands. Uh, I believe... I always, I, th- I believe the non-nationals are the ones who who uh, don't wear the tape. So you have to have a certain number of players on there. So that's with respect to, um, I guess, the origin. Okay. Um, players can uh, petition the AFL, uh, the USAFL, uh, ahead of time uh, if they believe that. Uh, uh, they should be considered nationals as opposed to non-nationals, depending on uh, how you know how much time they've spent in uh, you know if you, if they let's say for example uh, they uh, a player was born in Australia and then moved to the USA at the age of three or four. Um, there's a consideration, and that's done on a case by case basis by the board. Um, with respect to the amount of games played. Um, the USAFL instituted a, uh, a six-point system where uh, uh, you must have earned uh, six points uh, during the course of the regular season in order to be uh, eligible to play at nationals. Now, what does that mean? Uh, every full game uh, or, or every game that you play against another team, against another club from another city, is worth two points. You cannot gain more than two points in seven days. So sometimes there's a carnival. Uh, for example, three or four teams may, may get together in one city and play, and you could play two or three games. That's still just two points. Or if you just go, let's say, you know, Philadelphia goes to play in New York, you earn two points for that. Uh, the Metro games that are held in the individual cities, uh, inter-squad games, uh, those count as one point, but you cannot earn more than two points over the course of the season. So... The basic idea is to avoid, I mean, the the idea of this whole tournament, the idea of the league is to grow the game at the national level and to help boost, uh, you know, the the Americans that are playing. Uh, And you don't want a situation where you're bringing in guys from Australia, uh, you know, guys who play in the Sandful or the Waffle or or the VFA, sorry, it's the VFL, uh, and... uh, are you know just just beat the crap out of the uh, American guys? Um, you want you want the opportunity to to for U.S. players to play during the course of the season and then be rewarded with a with a chance to play at nationals. Now, in a case where there you don't make the requirement of six points, uh, like with nationality, uh, you can uh, ask for an exemption, uh, petition the league for an exemption, which again is handled on a, on a case-by-case basis. Uh, and, and in that case, if you, for whatever reason, if you're injured and if, uh, or if there's something that's come up, uh, um, you know, something with family, or uh, we've had cases where uh, players have moved away to a place where there isn't a USAFL team, uh, but uh, they, you know, they've played seven or eight years there. Uh, then they have the opportunity to, uh, you know, they'll generally get the benefit of the doubt from the league. Uh, but again, that's handled on a on a case by case basis. Well, that's a comprehensive answer. <laughs> I'm not good at giving short answers. No, no, no. <laughs> we like, we like long answers. We like to hear people who actually like to talk about 
what they're doing, like, have the knowledge to be able to expand on the answers that they're giving. It's 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 good. It's it makes for a good podcast. How what what kind of support have you got from the city of Dublin for this? Uh, they've thrown uh, a lot of weight behind it. Uh, every tweet that I put out, uh, it seems like the. Uh, the uh, Visitors Bureau retweets it, and they're all very excited about it. Uh, they've been hyping it up. Um, I've personally never been to Dublin, uh, but I've heard really great things about it. It's a it's a uh, very green city, as the name would uh, would suggest. Um, but uh, they're very excited to have us, and I think most of the cities, you know, uh, like I said before, I, the cities do do make presentations to the league, and um, we've had uh, uh, enormous support uh, from all the cities that have hosted us, uh, even going back to uh, Austin uh, last year, and also in 2011, and also Warren County, Ohio, uh, Mason, Ohio, uh, which hosted in tw- uh, 2009 and 2012. So. Um, yeah, they're they're really happy to have us, and we're happy to uh, we're happy to be there. I'm looking forward to it. I imagine for a city of fifty thousand people, that uh, having a thousand folks come in from out of town is perceived to be good for tourism. I would too, especially when you consider, um, you know, well, you have a thousand players. Uh, you also have, uh, I would say, another five hundred to a thousand people. Uh, either watching or uh, with the club themselves. Uh, you can think about all the money that they're spending on hotels, on food, um, just other amenities, um, liquid refreshments, uh, all, all the things that they're all the things that they're spending. It's a it's a it's a new boom uh, for for a team like Dublin. Yeah, for for a first city like Dublin. The biggest thing outside the Irish festival they apparently have, and Wendy's. <laughs> um, just uh, veering off for a second here, the uh, the US national team just went to the international cup. Uh, mm-hmm. How were you guys? How are you guys happy with the performance? I think uh, any time you go up against, uh, I mean, look, it's the there are some very very good national football teams out there uh and really you know you look at how footy in this country has grown um you know there was a time when uh, a lot of people didn't know it existed and a lot of people still confuse it for rugby you know and to have that uh you know you look at a, at a country like papua new guinea where it's become a, a national sport at Nauru, where it's become a national sport at New Zealand where where they're they're picking it up where where Ireland where it's basically Gaelic football with the rules twisted around um, you know to to go in there I, I think it, it's disappointing that uh, we weren't able to get into the top four uh, and have a have another shot at maybe sneaking into the to the grand final um, but I'm very happy with uh, you know as a as an American footy player and, and as a, a servant of the USAFL I'm very happy um, you know, it, it, I would have liked to have seen it get seen the, the team do a little bit better. But uh, we have some really good players, and uh, I have a lot of faith in uh, in uh, Matt Bishop as coach. Uh, there's some very very good uh, veteran players. Um, my teammate in Philadelphia, Ryan McGettigan, at Ridnour, uh, who is not a, only a, a hell of a player but a, a great clubman in Columbus. A uh, bunch of the other guys like Andy Vanica, who is uh, one of the patrons of the game here in this country. Um, you know, it's good uh it's it, it's very promising and uh the results will come um 
uh, there's it may be it may take uh, another international cover too, but uh, the results will come. I think the more the sport grows and the better athletes that we get in into league, into into footy, um, can you imagine guys of a caliber like Eric Wallace, who's about ready to. I think next year is going to be the year he he debuts at North. Uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, you look at Jason Holmes, uh, Patrick, Patrick uh, Mitchell as well out, out of Sydney as uh, playing uh, in the USAFL and, and matriculated on to the national team. Uh, I think that uh, you know, the results will definitely come, and I think the the profile of the game, not only here in the country, but also uh, at the international level, will be raised. And I I look forward to hope hopefully having that uh, by the end of the decade. Mm. AFL support for the U.S. Nationals has is there any? Do they show any support for it? Yeah, they. they uh, uh, I'll tell you that uh, in the past. Uh, uh, we've had uh, Tony Woods, who is uh, their international ambassador to the U.S. Uh, he's come uh, to go. He was here when when it was in Austin last. Uh, we've had uh, Kevin Cheedy uh, a number of years back has come to represent the league. Uh, last year, we had Nick Rewalt, uh come, and um, he was a he was a very integral part. He was uh, there on Sunday, handing out trophies and posing for pictures and. Uh, uh, yeah, they uh, the AFL has been very supportive not only of the Nationals but what of uh, we as a as a country doing uh, for their game and and um, very very uh, grateful uh, for everything they do. Um, they, uh, they work in contact with, uh, or in concert with uh, Dennis Ryan and and the president and uh, a number of the board members. Uh, so you know, like I said, there's a lot of support for what we do, and I think that's that's great. Um, you're a born and bred American, yes? Yes, sir. I've never left the continent. <laughs> All right, so normally we talk, and I, I said this to you before the podcast, but normally we talk to Australians, like um, the coaches and the staff that we've talked to to date have all been Australian-born uh, and migrated over somehow. How did you get involved in Australian football? Well, uh, about 20 years ago, I was a teenager, uh, and uh, not dating myself, uh, <laughs> not dating myself at all. Uh, but um, I uh, I came home uh, from school one day in, in the summer of '95, and I was flipping around channels, uh, trying to just just at home, trying to avoid doing homework. And I came across an AFL highlight show, and I had seen glimpses of Aussie Rules before, but this is the first time that I've actually seen the game played. And uh, I sat down for an hour, and I watched it, and I completely drank it in and every I think it was on Wednesdays uh, whatever was the following Wednesday we would get the highlights here and um, as the internet became more prevalent I started to um, I started to follow it and I started listening to games and I started listening I want to say in 2001 2002 to uh, to, to the radio broadcast I spent uh, a good part of my 20s uh, up late on Friday nights and Saturday nights listening to uh, Rex Hunt and Dennis Cometti and and Billy Clinton Grevis and all these guys and I had seen enough of the game to kind of understand what was going on I didn't need to watch the game I could feel their you know their passion and and in 2007 uh, I found that uh, I had known that there was a, a USAFL and there was a league but uh, in 2000 2007, I had the opportunity to attend the Hawks Grand Final Party with my wife, and it was at an Applebee's. And if you 
are, your listeners aren't familiar with what an Applebee's is, um, it's probably for the best. Uh, <laughs> think, think of, think of just a, 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 an Americana restaurant that tries really, really maybe too hard to be Americana. Um, but in any event, we sat down at a booth and just kind of, I would, we were just kind of happy to watch the game. And within about ten minutes of us sitting down, I think just about every single player on the Hawks had come over to introduce themselves and find out a how I found out about the sport and b how I found out about them. And as, as I explained, pretty much the, the story that I told you. Um, uh, they said, well, why don't you come out and have a kick? And I said, well, two problems with that. Firstly, I don't like to get told. And secondly, I run like a pregnant giraffe. Um, they didn't take that as a, as, a, as a sufficed answer for me not to play. And so the following spring, uh, it was late in their season at the time. So spring of 2008, I showed up really to watch a match. And um, John Loring, who's our coach, came over. Uh, I said, uh, you here to play footy? And I'm standing there, and I'm wearing my, my wireframe glasses and sneakers and a pair of gym shorts. And they said, I said, sure, why not? I'll give it a try. And uh, they pulled me out on the field, and they pointed a bunch of guys wearing, like, 20-year-old Geelong jumpers. And they said, this is, this is your, these are your teammates for this, for this match. Get to know them, because in 10 minutes, you're, you're going to be playing with them. And I went out there, and... Uh, I didn't get beat up too badly, but I, I, you know, having followed the game for a decade up to that point, I kind of knew what was going on, and and uh, I didn't embarrass myself too much. So the game ended, and I was back cooling down, and John came over, and one of the other coaches came over, and they said, "What are you doing in three weeks?" I said, "I, I don't know. I don't think I have any plans." They said, "Good. We have a game in Raleigh, North Carolina. Do you want to carry?" I was like, what, to watch? No, to play. <laughs> and uh, that's how I got started with the Hawks. And um, I'm, I'm, I've am i played, uh, uh, I think it's 58 games for them now uh, over seven seasons. And, and um, I keep saying that this year, this, well, this, this is the year that's going to be my last. And I get to Sunday at Nationals and... I something happens in, in when, it, when I'm out on the field on, on Sunday at Nationals and I, I leave the field and I'm like, you know, I can't give this up. So I, I always am like, all right, I'm going to come back for one more year. And uh, that's what happens. I, I Aussie rules is my favorite sport. I love the sport. But I'm glad that I get an opportunity to give back to it, not only as a player, not only as a, uh, you know, as the secretary of the Hawks, but also, you know, an opportunity to work with the league. So it's been a great experience. And, and who do you support in the AFL, Matt? Uh, well, my allegiances are split. Uh, I support the Hawks because I'm with the Philly Hawks. Uh, however, at that first grand final party that I was talking about, I ran into a girl from Perth, and I told her that I really wanted a Fremantle Dockers jumper because I liked And now we're talking about the old ones. We're talking about the green, red, and purple ones with the giant anchor on it and she said i you know i will go back and i will get you one when i go home for the holidays as long as you promise to become a docker supporter so i support the dockers i support i support the hawks and don't ask me how i got through the 2013 grand final we've been talking to brian barish the secretary of the philadelphia hawks and media manager for the united states australian football league uh thanks very much brian thanks jason anytime mate and you can see more and read more about the United States Australian Football League's U.S. Nationals, including Brian's own preview on USAFL.com, where you can also catch all the streaming and whatnot from the weekend.